parables of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that he taught while he walked on this earth. I invite you this morning to turn to the gospel according to Matthew, the gospel according to Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, and this morning we will look at verses 24 through 27. This is a familiar passage to all of us, but let us hear again the beloved words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain fell, and the floods came. And the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I ask that you would lend strength to my voice. Give aid to us, O Lord, to understand rightly your word, that we may go forth and apply it, even as this passage teaches us. Through Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. In 1915, Robert Frost wrote a poem called The Road Not Taken. And it begins like this. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both. But being one traveler, long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. I had to memorize that in high school. Frost represents himself as a traveler who's come to a fork in the road and a choice now lays before him and he's trying to decide which path he can take because there's only one of him and he can only go down one path. And so he's looking down the one path that he is not going to take. He ultimately takes one path, initially thinking that he can come back later and try going down that other path that he looked so far down, but he keeps on going, and as he keeps on going, he realizes that all the different choices and paths are going to make it extremely hard for him to come back to and find that path that he did not take. In our passage this morning, Jesus presents us with a parable that lays before us two paths, just like Frost does in this poem of his. In verses 24 and 25, we see the path of wisdom. The path of wisdom. Jesus begins this section with saying, everyone then who hears these words of mine. The word then signifies a conclusion. A conclusion. What is Jesus concluding and what does he mean by these words of mine? Well, if you don't know already, This is the conclusion to the Sermon on the Mount, which began all the way back in Matthew chapter 5. So Jesus actually ends the Sermon on the Mount with a parable. 
And so what are these words? Well, it's everything that Jesus has been preaching and teaching about beginning at Matthew chapter 5. Everyone who has heard these words where Jesus teaches over mourning over sin, blessed are those who mourn, being meek, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the merciful. He talks and preaches about suffering persecution for his sake, about us being salt and light, about us having to understand that the the law of God is not just about external actions, but also our inner attitudes and inner thoughts and feelings. And so he teaches about anger. He says murder is not just something that you do externally, but if you have anger in your heart, that is murder. He talks about lust. Adultery is not just an external act, but even if you lust after somebody, you have committed adultery. He talks about divorcing for for unbiblical reasons, swearing false oaths. He talks about revenge. He preaches about loving your enemies, giving to those in need, how to truly pray rather than to pray like the hypocrites, how to truly fast rather than fasting like the hypocrites, how to lay up treasures in heaven, how to not be anxious, and how not to hypocritically judge your fellow believers and to love your neighbor as yourself. That, that is every, every topic that Jesus preached on about life in the kingdom of God. He has exposited the moral law revealed in the Ten Commandments and given its true understanding that it is ultimately concerned with the heart because that is the source for our thoughts and our words and our actions. And so Jesus says that those who hear his words, all that he has been preaching and teaching on, and the word here in the, in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, the word here is more than just hearing with the external ear like you are hearing my voice right now. It means to hear and to understand and to do, to act upon the words. I've used this illustration before, but as parents, when your children disobey you, we use the word here like this. Did you not hear me? They may have heard you with their physical ears, but of course they didn't truly hear you because they didn't obey. That's the concept of the word hearing Uh, here in the New Testament as well as the the Old Testament. As Jesus puts it, you are to both hear and do. Matthew Henry says this about hearing and doing, quote, to do Christ's sayings is conscientiously to abstain from the sins that he forbids and to perform the duties that he requires. Our thoughts and affections, our words and actions, the temper of our minds and the tenor of our lives must be conformable to the gospel of Christ. That is the doing he requires, end quote. So Jesus compares a person who does both hear and does his words is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Here is the parable, which he also explains to us. This person demonstrates his wisdom by building his dwelling place upon a solid foundation. And when the storm suddenly sweeps in, in verse 25, the rain is falling, 
The floods are coming and the winds are beating and blowing upon that house, blow after blow after blow. But it doesn't fall because it has been founded on the rock. In Israel, the the rainy season is very concentrated. It runs from mid-October to to March, but most of the rain in Israel happens in the month of January. One commentator points out that both Jerusalem and London receive the same amount of rain in a year. But whereas for London that rain is spread out over 300 days, in Israel it's concentrated into 50 days. They both receive 22 inches of rain a year, but in London it is spread out, but in Israel it is concentrated. So when Israel has its rainy season, it experiences high-intensity rain that causes runoffs and flooding. Streams that you can jump across in the dry season, because it's just a trickle, require wading in waist-deep water for 15 to 20 yards to cross that very same stream in the rainy season. And so Jesus uses this imagery of of high-intensity rain and storm as a metaphor for God's judgment and the destruction at the end of time. In 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 20, David defeats his enemies, and he says, The Lord has broken through my enemies like a breaking flood. Same imagery. He speaks of God's judgment in Psalm 69 and says, The flood sweeps over me. And Isaiah prophesies in Isaiah chapter 8 that Assyria will come against Israel like the waters of the Euphrates. And so throughout Scripture, flooding and storms are are a metaphor. They are a picture of what the wrath of God is going to be like on that great day of the Lord at the end of time when our Lord Jesus comes back. And so Jesus is saying that those who hear and do his words will remain standing when the judgment of God comes on the last day. This is because the works of those who understand Jesus' teaching demonstrates that they had true saving faith. The good fruit demonstrates that the entire tree is good and planted in good soil, as we saw in the, the parable of the soils. Paul writes in Romans chapter 2, verse 13, It is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. This is also the teaching of James, where he writes in chapter 1, Be doers of the word. Paul, Jesus, and James all agree that the word of God calls for action. And true disciples of Christ will act upon the word that they hear, In their daily lives. Jesus earlier in Matthew 5 had said, Let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Good works are to glorify God because our works reveal that we have truly been saved, which reveals God's grace, mercy, and goodness to us in Christ Jesus. We can only do good works out of the grace and mercy of God in Christ. We just confessed it. The Holy Spirit is the cause of our good works. Only those who have been born of the Spirit of God are able to both hear and do. 
So our good deeds point others to God and he gets the glory. Later in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus will say, Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. I could go and claim to be a part of Elon Musk's family or Bill Gates' family or, or the Vanderbilts or the Rockefellers, but my claim has no substance because there's nothing to back up my claim. There's, there's no evidence to prove that I, I, I'm an, uh, one who will inherit the riches of Elon Musk or Bill Gates or so forth and so on. In that same way, or in a similar way, to claim to be a part of the family of Jesus, and yet to not behave and act in a corresponding manner, reveals that your claim has no substance. Our good deeds reveal that we have a true claim as being a part of the family of God through saving faith in Jesus Christ. As R.C. Sproul has said, we are saved by faith alone, but that faith is never alone. It will produce good works. And so as disciples of Christ, we will, there will be demonstrable growth and transformation in our lives over time as the Holy Spirit works in us to bear fruit in doing good in obedience to the words of Jesus Christ. We will grow better in some areas than in others. It is true. We will stumble in sin, as we were even talking about in Sunday school this morning. And there may be some sin that we struggle with until the day that we die. Puritans call it a a besetting sin. It's a particular sin, a, a thorn in the flesh that gives you particular trouble. But despite all of that, because of the working of the Spirit within us, having planted us in the good soil of Jesus Christ by faith, there will be visible and tangible fruits. Jesus says just a few verses above here in verse 20, you will recognize them by their fruits. The path of wisdom is demonstrating true saving faith by hearing the words of Jesus and doing them, which demonstrates that we've truly heard, that we've truly understood. And when the wrath of God comes on that great day, we will remain standing because we are in Christ and our works have demonstrated that. But I want to caution all of us today about the thinking that Just because I'm battling and growing in one area, that means I can give the other areas a free pass. This is misguided and unbiblical thinking. You can't say that because you're battling and growing against greed that you can give anger or lust a free pass and that you don't need to battle against them. In other words, you can't focus on just one particular sin. We're called to battle against all sins and temptations that we face. On a positive side of things is we can't say the same thing about the the fruit of the spirit well you know right now i'm really growing in joy and so i'm really not going to focus about self-control or gentleness (laughs) no it's it's one fruit of the spirit it's all the fruit of the spirit and so we are to we are to apply ourselves diligently to the word of god and and apply ourselves to to repenting of our sins and to also 
pray that the, all the fruits of the Spirit would be developed and growing in us. I don't want to just be gentle. I also want to be meek and patient and kind and self-controlled. God's law is comprehensive and discipleship is comprehensive. You don't have, in Jesus' parable, uh, or the times that Jesus talks about us as trees, you don't have a good tree producing good fruit on only one branch and bad fruit on the rest of the branches. That is not discipleship. That is not sanctification. So we must be on guard at all times to consider all that God's word requires as well as all that God's word forbids. So that is the path of wisdom, is, is comprehensive, wholehearted discipleship and demonstration of saving faith in our deeds because we have been built upon and founded upon the rock who is the Lord Jesus Christ. We now move to verses 26 and 27 where we see the path of foolishness. Same house, same storm. If you compare the wordings of Verses 25 and 27, you'll see that they are virtually identical in wording. So same house, same storm. One stands, one falls. What was the difference? It was the foundation or the lack thereof of a foundation. The foolish person, that one who hears the words of Jesus externally but does not put them into action is building upon sand. Now let me ask you, who in their right mind would ever build upon sand? That's, that's ignorance at best. Being from Mobile, I'm only 45 minutes from the beach, and people have houses on the beach, but they're not built directly upon the sand. They're built upon a foundation, and then usually they have pilings there to, to elevate the house 10 or 12 feet so that when there is a hurricane or a flood, the, the, it won't rise up to enter the house. Even today, we know how foolish it is to build a house directly on the sand. And it was the same with not following Jesus Christ. Hearing his words, but not putting them into action because a heart has not been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. The early church father, Justin Martyr, said this, quote, And let those who are not found living as Jesus taught be understood to be no Christians, even though they profess with the lip the teachings of Christ. For not those who make profession, but those who do the works shall be saved, end quote. Now, he's not talking about salvation by works. He's talking about demonstrating true saving faith by works. Chuck Colson has said that, that the American church is 3,000 miles wide and half an inch deep. The COVID pandemic did some gleaning and separating wheat from chaff in the church and even more are being revealed with this leaked Roe versus Wade decision. But the, the church still remains a mixed people and it will remain a mixed people until that great day of the Lord when there will be a separating of the sheep from the goats or the, the wheat from the chaff. And dare I say that there are many in the quote-unquote evangelical church, maybe even some here today, here in the building or listening online, 
who have merely heard the words of Jesus Christ without putting them into action. When the great day of God's wrath comes, the works that you have built up into an edifice will be destroyed. Look up a few verses from our passage under consideration this morning to verse 21. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Here in that section, they had works. They had the doing, but no hearing or understanding. Here in Jesus' parable, they have the hearing, but not the doing. If you have only the doing, you're a fool. Literally, the, the word is where we get our word moron from. Building on sand. If you have only hearing, You're a fool building on sand. If you have no hearing and no doing, you're a fool building on sand. Only those who have both hearing and doing fall into the category of those who are wise because they've built upon the rock of Jesus Christ. Jesus says in John chapter 12, verse 48, The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. And that last day is the great storm of Jesus' parable here. The the rain and the floods and the winds. Paul says in Romans chapter 2 verse 8, For those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. And James exhorts us in James chapter 1, Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. It's even true of the Old Testament. Ezekiel chapter 33 describes a people coming to the corporate worship of God and hearing the proclaiming of God's word. And this is what God says to Ezekiel. They hear what you say, but they will not do it. For with lustful talk in their mouths they act. Their heart is set on their gain. And the Apostle John gives us a concrete example in 1 John chapter 3. He says this, quote, If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. There is consistent testimony throughout all of Scripture. God's word is harmonious and united that following after the God of the Bible involves both hearing and doing. Those are the only ones who will be left standing on the great day of judgment. All the others, the non-hearers, the non-doers, will be destroyed. Look at the end of verse 27. And great was the fall of it. This language of a a great fall means that the collapse is complete. It's not that part of the house is still standing. It's not that there's a wall here and a wall there and some rooms still left. No, the house has been completely destroyed. Friends, the day of the Lord is going to put your works and my works to the test. 
and our actions and our heart will be revealed. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13. Each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. End quote. And so the early church writing the book of Second Clement says this, quote, How do we confess Christ? By doing what he says and not disregarding his commandments and honoring him not only with our lips, but with all of our heart and all of our mind. End quote. Frost concludes his poem with this. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. He looks back on his life and states that he was faced with a choice between two roads and chose to take the one less traveled, and the consequences of that decision has made all the difference in his life. It has set him on the course of his life. Every person, past, present, and future, faces two paths, the wide path and the narrow path. The wide path is the path of rebellion against God, which may bring ease and comfort in this life, but ultimately will result in sorrow at the second coming of Christ. And included on this path are those who heard the words of Jesus, like Judas, like the Pharisees, like Demas, like those disciples in the Gospel of John when Jesus was teaching about election and then they walked away from him. They heard the words of Jesus, but they failed to act on them. They had no root and therefore no fruit because they had not the Spirit of God and were not united to Christ by faith. Included on this path are those who thought they were doing God's work. We did all of this. We cast out demons in your name and we prophesied. Note that it's charismatic, supernatural works that they're putting their faith and trust in. They had what they thought was fruit, but it was a false fruit as they placed their confidence in their works rather than in Jesus Christ. They thought that they were doing God's work, but they did not have the Spirit of God and were not united to Christ by faith. The second path, the narrow path, is that road taken by those who hear Jesus' words and act upon them. Not because of our own ability, not for salvation, but from salvation. Because we have been regenerated in heart by the Spirit of God who gives us the ears to actually hear the words of Jesus and to act upon them. The Holy Spirit has united us to Christ by faith. We have been engrafted into the vine. We have been planted into the good soil. And so the Spirit is going to be working in us to cause us to bear much fruit. And so our profession of faith is going to match our lives demonstrating that we are wise because the wisdom of God, Jesus Christ, is residing within us and we have been built upon him. The path of Christian discipleship begins at conversion and continues for the rest of one's life. 
And it consists of not just hearing, but hearing and doing. And so this parable is a call to action. Who are those who are going to be in the kingdom of God? It's not just hearers only. Has that been you? Have you been a hearer only? There are many people today who claim the name of Christ, but their lives do not match their profession. There is no desire for holiness. There is no uh, continually seeking forgiveness and repentance. They have no interest in the ordinary means of grace and the things of God. They, they put their trust in some action that they did. Well, I went to church this once on Easter with my grandmother, and now I'm good. I'm covered, and so I can go live my life however I want. No, that is merely hearing only without doing. And if this has been you today, then I then I beg of you to truly listen to the words of Christ and turn from your sins and repent and believe upon him for your salvation. And then, and only then, will you begin to truly walk upon the narrow path and the good works that have been prepared for you ahead of time. Have you been a doer only? Putting your trust in your external works well, I've done this. I'm a nice person. I've loved. I've given half my money away. And so I'm taken care of. I'm good. I don't have to go to church. I don't have to read my Bible, confess my sins. I don't need any of that. I've, I've just loved people and I've been nice to them. And so I'm covered. I beg of you, turn from your efforts to save yourself. Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation and as your only hope to escape the coming day of the Lord, to escape the winds and the rain and the floods. Hearing only, doing only, no hearing, no doing, all three lead to great ruin. The only safety the only security is found by faith in Christ from which flows the doing of what we read in God's word. So the question before us today from this passage is, will you be a hearer and a doer? Are you a hearer and a doer? R.T. France says, quote, the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount is not meant to be admired, but to be obeyed, end quote. Will you obey him today by calling upon his name and walking in dependence upon him with faith and trust in Christ alone? And if you are a hearer and a doer here today, your inheritance, your hope of heaven, your calling and election is secure in Christ Jesus. He has saved you to the uttermost. He will preserve you in the midst of the storms in the present. He will preserve you against the great storm of his wrath, which is to come. His comforts will not fail you. His intercession will not end for you. His advocacy will not expire for you. His shed blood will not be exhausted for you. He will raise you from the grave, openly vindicate you in front of the entire unbelieving world, he will welcome you into his presence, being made perfect by his righteousness, and he will crown you with the crown of glory. You will be left standing.
because Christ stands in your place. Amen and amen. Let's